On yet? There we go. All right. It's going to be that kind of a morning. Now, back home, they, they tell me I don't know when to quit preaching. But I've already been informed by Doug that you have a saying here, if you go overtime, uh, there's a trap door right here. And that if I go over, that I would disappear and my family would never see me again. And when Rhonda heard that, she said, preach on, honey, preach on. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a joy to be here with you this morning. Fortifying the family. The family is the most important institution in the American and in any society. And if you want a strong society, you need strong families. If you want a strong church, you need strong families. And so what I want to do this morning is to kind of give you a picture, a portrait of the status of the American family. Before I can tell you how to fortify your family and the reason I need you to understand why we need to fortify the family in America. Because if you don't know by now, hopefully you'll know in just a few moments, the American society is in trouble. The American society is in trouble because the family is in trouble. And if we're going to make America that strong nation that I remember, I'm old enough now that I can remember when America was a strong nation. I can remember when America was a nation that had a passion to want to serve God. And I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. But when I think about America that I love, America that I want my grandchildren to experience, that little baby that was born on Wednesday, Peyton, we're going to call him Bo. What I want Bo to experience is long gone. And I want to do whatever I can to restore the America, the family that I remember. And so this morning, let's talk about the portrait of the American family. And so my goal in this presentation is to share with you some significant changes that have occurred in the American family over the past five decades. Before I can share with you why we, uh, how to fortify the family, I need you to see the condition the American family is in. So we're going to talk about some changes. Let me share with you a couple of observations. The first observation is this. When you talk with sociologists and social psychologists, they say, Sammy, don't get people all riled up. The family is just changing. Everything is changing. Nothing stays the same. Well, I'm working from the premise this morning that the American family has not just changed over the five decades. The American family is deteriorating. The American family is not just changing. The American family is deteriorating. The second observation, biblical history. Biblical history informs us what happens to nations what happens to societies that forget God? All you have to do is look at historical evidence and look at those nations that have turned from God, those societies that have turned from God, and you can see the evidence of what have happened to them. America is a nation that is turning away from God. Well, if I can get it to stay. Why don't you look at two verses? Turn to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. It's on the slide there. 
And listen to what the wise man Solomon says, righteousness. As I go back to the, to the 50s and 60s in America, righteousness exalts a nation. In my lifetime, it has appeared to me that America has been the apple of God's eyes. Why? Because when I go back to the 50s and 60s and 70s, I see a nation that had a passion to know God, to have a relationship with God. And it's that righteousness that has made this nation the most powerful and wealthiest nation in the world. Why has America prospered over the years? Because she's had a passion to serve God. Listen to what the psalmist writes. In Psalms chapter 9 and verse number 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell, even all nations that forget God. What brings a nation down? I'm not worried about some other country. I have no fear of China. I have no fear of the Koreans. I have no fear of other country, Russia. Because when it comes to military might, we can handle them. I'm worried about America destroying herself. Righteousness exalts a nation. But what brings a nation down is a nation that turns from God. Look at America. Look at America. America is turning from God. God instructed Moses. Before they were allowed to go into the promised land, God told Moses to gather all the Israel together and particularly the parents. Before they crossed into the, the promised land, he told them to gather the parents and told them to teach the children about me. Lest they forget the Lord. Look at verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 12 and verse 6. He tells them to hear, O Israel. Tell them about me. Tell your children and your grandchildren about me and what I've done for them. Verse 12, beware lest they forget the Lord thy God. Teach your children. Teach your grandchildren. Don't forget me. And Then Joshua took Moses' place. And Joshua chapter 4. They were making preparation to go over the Jordan River into the promised land. Moses is dead. And now Joshua takes over the great leader. And Joshua, as they cross over the west banks of Jordan, he selected one man from each tribe and told them to go back into the river and pick up a stone and bring that stone out and build a memorial, a monument. And this would be a talking point. That when your children see these stones, they would inquire, what's the meaning of these stones? That's when parents and that's when grandparents would start telling them about God, the great Jehovah. They start telling them about what God had done for Israel and what God will continue to do for Israel as long as Israel served God. But notice it was the job of the parents it was the job of the parents and the families to teach the children about God. God has always wanted families to be responsible to making sure that the children, the members come to know about him. Then you turn to Judges chapter two. In verse number seven, it talks about Joshua. When he turned 110, he died. 
But not only did Joshua die, but it says something in verse number seven that I want you to pay attention to. That the Israelites served God all the days of Joshua. What a profound statement. That the children of Israel served God all the days. Why? Because Joshua as a leader encouraged the parents to do their job to serve God. Just think if we had a leader at the White House that were encouraging our children to serve God. And we had fathers encouraging their children to know God. How better America would be. Joshua encouraged the Israelites to serve God. And the Bible says Israel was faithful to God all the days of Joshua. And Joshua died. And those leaders who grew up with Joshua, they died. And then Judges 2 verse 10 and verse 11. Two of the saddest verses, in my opinion, in the Old Testament. The Bible says, and there arose after Joshua's death, a generation that didn't know God. Then, verse 11, they served idols. When I look at this nation that I love, I'm seeing a generation that is emerging in America that doesn't know God. And that frightens me. That frightens me because we're about to emerge as a nation without a passion to serve God. And when you have generations that don't love God and know God and have a passion to serve God, it doesn't matter how many police officers you hire. It doesn't matter how many prisons you build. Corruption will continue at an all high rate. America is deteriorating. The family is deteriorating. And I want to share with you some changes that are occurring that will substantiate the point that I'm trying to make that America is changing. What happens to people that forget God? Okay. America is a nation that is turning from God. Okay. They put the wrong PowerPoint up there. That's not the PowerPoint that I prepared for this. There's two on there, and uh, they got the wrong one. So I'm going to have to wing it on this one here. So I I do apologize. Uh, When I saw that one there, please put it back. Uh, (laughs) We're going to have to work with it. Okay. I I do apologize, but we'll, we'll, we'll be able to work with this one here. But the third observation I want to make as we continue this is that America is a nation in trouble. And so the question this morning is, what can we do to restore? What can we do to fortify the family, to make the family strong, to make the family what it ought to be, that it will please God? Again, that's why I know that this is not the correct one there. There's another error there. So there's three points that I want to make in this presentation. First, I want to highlight some changes. Second, I want to share with you uh, God's perspective on some of these changes. And then I want to suggest to you a few ideas on how we can fortify the family. How can we fortify the family? But first, let's get to some of the changes. What are some of the changes that have occurred in an institution called the family that uh, that makes us aware that the family is is in trouble? Here's the first one. The number of single parent families in America 
is an indication that America is a nation in trouble. Look at the facts. In 1950, the year I was, the, the decade I was born in 1956 was a good year. In 1956, only 7% of homes in America, 7% of homes in America had a single parent, just a mother and a father. But look over the years. In 1970, it increased to 12%, and in 1990, 28%, and today, 36% of homes are headed by a single parent. I'm not saying it's a sin to be a single parent. That's not my point here. But God's idea for the home is that there be a mother and a father. But in America, the home is deteriorating because there is a declining There's a declining of two parents home in America. And when you look at it by race, look at the facts. Look at the facts and particularly the African-American family. In 1975, in 1975, 71% of African-American homes had two parents in them. In 1975, look at today, 72% of African-American homes have two, have one, just have one parent in them. And you look in the African-American community and why that community, and I'm not just picking on that community, but the African-American community is in trouble because we need to get back to teaching men, young men to be responsible and be a leader in your home. If you're going to bring children into this world, be a father to them. But in America, there's a decline of two parents' homes. And that's an indication that America is not, the family is not just changing people. The family is deteriorating. And you look at the facts on the, the number of single parent homes. Let's go to a second one. Cohabitation. The number of couples living together, not according to God's law, but living together according to their will, doing what they want. Shacking up, we call it is increasing in America in the 60s. In 1960, half a million, roughly 500,000 people reported to the census that they were cohabitating. Look at what is going on. By 1980, it was 3.5 million. In 2011, 8.2 million couples reported that they were cohabitating. Now, that's a conservative estimate. I believe that if all is somewhere close to 18 million people that are cohabitating, living not according to God's will in America. Why? Because the family is not just changing people. The family is deteriorating. And if we're going to have a strong society again, we need to fortify the family. If we're going to have strong communities again, we need to do what we can to fortify our families. If we're going to have strong churches again in America, we need to come up with what can we do to fortify our families. The increase in single parent homes, the increase in cohabitation are just two of the changes. God's law is that men and women get married. The bed is undefiled, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 4. The third indication is a homosexual lifestyle. The homosexual lifestyle is another indicator that the family is deteriorating. 
Look at the percentages. The percentage of people who classify themselves as homosexual, lesbian, bisexual, or, or even gay has increased significantly in America in the 50s. In 1950, the golden years in America, the golden years when people got married and stayed married, 97% of individuals classified themselves as being heterosexual. In 1990, 93% of Americans classified themselves as being heterosexual. Today, it's difficult to ascertain the exact percentage, but somewhere between 9 and 12% of Americans classify themselves as being heterosexual, bisexual, lesbian, or gay. Why? The question is why? Why is it that we have increasingly more Americans who are becoming homosexual? When the Bible is very clear on its teaching, and I don't have time to go through these verses here, you're familiar with them, that the Bible is very clear that no one is born homosexual. Then why, Brother Jones, is there such an increase in the percentage of individuals, more so in the past decade or two than ever in America? You know why? The problem is the failure of parents to do their job. Turn to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. You're familiar with this verse here. The Bible says, train up a child. And the Hebrew word that's implying socialize. Socialize implies that you do something that you instill. As parents, we have an obligation to instill, to instill in the mind of our children something from birth to the time they leave home and even after they've left home. I take the premise. You can agree with me or you don't have to agree with me. You can correct me later on. But I believe every person is born asexual. You're born with a sex drive. You're not born heterosexual. You're not born homosexual. You're born with a sex drive. And it's up to the parents to socialize that boy what it means to be a boy. That girl what it means to be a girl. And I remember my first son, Eric, when he was born. When Eric was born, guess what? He came home wrapped in. He had no indication of what color a blanket could be. But there's no way on earth he was coming home in a pink blanket. I wrapped him in blue, and guess what color his room? It was blue. And all from the very moment he was born, Daddy started indoctrinating me that you are a boy, and what it means to be a boy, the certain behavior had to be in the mind. And I remember when Eric was four years old, Ron and I, we were in the kitchen preparing a, a dinner. And Eric came in and said, Daddy, I want to marry my best friend. Okay. Problem is, his best friend was named Stevie. And I said, no, son, you can't marry Stevie. But I love Stevie. I want to marry Son, you cannot marry Stevie. But Daddy, can't, why can't, that's a daddy's job. Let me explain to you, son, why you can't marry Stevie. But you know what? Parents, if you don't do your job, if you don't help that boy to internalize what it means to be a male, what it means to be masculine, what it means boys like girls, boys marry girls. I have three sons. And so my job was to teach and run the job. Our job was to teach 
those boys what it means to be. But suppose you don't. Then they learn from society. And what's going on in a lot of homes is that parents are not socializing. Parents are not teaching and not embedding into the mind of a boy and a girl what it means to be heterosexual. That that's the expected behavior of God. Culture is like an appetite. You're born with an appetite. What you eat depends upon your culture. You're not born liking hamburgers. I was born in Mississippi. And my wife, she loves chitlins. Hopefully you don't even have that clue what, they're, what they are. But I believe you do. But my wife loves chitlins. I despise them. I'd rather eat snails than chitlins. But that's another lesson. But my point is this. You're born with an appetite. What you eat depends upon your culture. It depends upon your socialization. You're born with an appetite. What you eat depends upon what you have been taught. You're born with a sex drive. And it's up to mama and daddy to teach a girl to like boys and boys to like girls. But suppose you don't have a daddy in the home. And you start having at age whatever, eight, nine or 13, those, and the, those feelings towards a sex, the opposite sex or the same sex. That's when mom and daddy have to step in and start directing that in the right direction. But if a mom and dad are not doing that, then a little boy can start perceiving that he's always had desires for other boys. And girls can start having desires for girls and can believe that they've always had that. And they can convince themselves after two or three years that they were born that way. It's up to mom and dad to do some socialization. But because they're not, increasingly more young men and women are adopting homosexuality as a lifestyle. First Corinthians chapter six lets us know that it is taught. It's a learned behavior. It's not something you're born with. Paul says some of you used to be, but you did something. You repented before you obeyed the gospel. You change your lifestyle. You change your way of thinking. Homosexuality and heterosexuality is in the mind. And you can change your behavior by changing the way you think. But suppose you haven't been socialized right. Suppose you haven't been taught right. And America is becoming a nation that hasn't been taught right. Because the family is not serving its function. And that is to teach the children what it means to be heterosexual and homosexual. Same-sex marriage is another indication that the family is in trouble. And Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and throughout the Bible, every time you see marriage, God's desire is that marriage be between a man and a woman. There's not one verse in the Bible that approves a marriage between the same sex. God's desire, he designed marriage. He wants men to marry women and women to marry men. But until 2003, it was not legal in America. But the state of Massachusetts in 2003 was the first state 
to accept same-sex marriage. Again, here are some changes that have occurred that's not up here that I want to get to. And that is the state of Utah. Back in November, the state of Utah became the 13th state. The state of Utah, to my surprise, became the 13th state to accept same-sex marriage. And just in November the 25th, the state of Illinois approved same-sex marriage, and it doesn't start until June 1 of this year. 14 states have now ratified accepting same-sex marriage. That's an indication that America is in trouble. That's an indication the family is not just changing. The family is deteriorating. It is not God's desire that there be a marriage between people of the same sex. And brothers and sisters, it's time for us to stop being silent while our families are deteriorating. It's time for us to speak up and let the world know that Christians, we're going to defend the truth. Amen, lights. Decline of the percentage of, of married people in America is another indication that the American society is in trouble, that the family needs to be fortified, that the family needs to be strengthened. There was a time in America that young people between the age of 18 and older, they just couldn't wait to get married. I know people are waiting longer. I know the average age for females now is 27 and the average age for, for males is around 29 to get married. But there was a time in America that over 97% of people over the age of 18 were married, desired to get married, looked forward to getting married, but that's not the case anymore. That's not the case anymore. In 1970, we started seeing a decline in the percentage of individuals over the age of 18 that were married. In 1970, we started seeing in America a noticeable decline, and I want you to see something that occurred in 2011 for the very first time in American history. Something else occurred in 2011. What occurred? For the very first time, less than 50% of Americans over the age of 18 are married in America. America has always been a married, marrying nation, a marrying society. But America, for the very first time a few years ago, less than 50% of people over the age of 18 and older are in a marital relationship. Marriage, the institution of marriage is declining in America. The family that God wants is declining in America. And it's time. It is time for us to step up and fortify the family. It is time for us to step up and do what we can to strengthen our families, to make them stronger. That when we're gone, that America can continue to be the strong society that she's always been. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people that forget God. Why? Here are four reasons why the marriage rate is declining in America. Cohabitation, the increase there. The high divorce rate. Marriage is no longer valued in America. It's no longer valued in America. People would rather shack up than get married. 
that's an indictment on us parents. Our job as parents is to teach our children that marriage is something honorable. My job as a father is to teach my boys that marriage is something honorable. It's something that you ought to desire. Marriage is a holy, sanctified institution. And son is something you ought to look forward to. That's my job as a daddy. And when you get into that family, son, you love that family like you love God. You'll be willing to die for your family. You stay with your family. It doesn't matter what difficulties may arise. You stay with the family. That's my job as a father. That's what Joshua felt. That's what Moses felt. But then there arose a generation that stopped teaching. And look what happened to Israel. Look what's happened to America. I'm talking to the cream of the crop here in Montgomery. But look what's happening to America. It's because we're not doing our jobs as parents. My job is not to be my friend, my children's best friends. My job is to be a, an example for them, to teach them, to encourage them, to do what's right. But then let's go to another one. The number of babies born outside of marriage is another indication that the family is in trouble is another indication that American society is suffering. Let me share something else with you that has occurred for the very first time just a few years ago. And that's this. Nearly 50 percent, over 50 percent of babies born in America are born outside of marriage. That's correct. 51% of all the babies born in America are born today outside of marriage. That's not God's desire. That's why parents, we've got to get back to teaching our children that there's nothing wrong with being a virgin at birth. I mean at marriage. At birth, hold it. Yes. But at marriage, there's nothing wrong. I think back to when I was in the 12th grade Tupelo High School, and I've been made fun of. The rumor was out that Sam Jones was gay. That was back in the 70s. The rumor was out that Sam Jones was gay. And girls would call me up and say, Sam, if you would spend a night with me, a day with me, you wouldn't be gay anymore. And people made fun of me. And, and, and going down the hallway, they were sniggling, laughing because the assumption that I didn't go to parties, I didn't engage in a lot of other activities. The only reason I didn't do those things is obviously because I was gay. But my mom and daddy taught me some values. Grandmama Naomi down in Houston, Mississippi, taught me some values. And that's why I didn't do those things, because I didn't want to disappoint Naomi. I didn't want to disappoint my parents. And so there are things I didn't want to do, but now I'm hurting. And I remember wanting to prove to those girls that, that I wasn't gay, but in order to do that, I had to compromise my values. I wanted to. And there were many nights I cried myself to sleep because I wanted to prove to my Peers that I wasn't gay, but I had to compromise my values. And it was tough. 
And I'm thankful that I didn't compromise my values. And that's what we got to get back to teaching our children to value their relationship with God. That God is someone who's dear to them. But in order to value God, they also need to value us. We've got to teach our children to value us. And so when they're put in an awkward situation to drink or to use drugs, I can't do this because I don't want to hurt mom and daddy. I can't go there because I, I don't want to hurt mom and daddy. But most of all, I don't want to hurt God. I don't want to disappoint God. We've gotten away from that. Look at the facts. 74% of all babies born in America in the Hispanic are born outside of marriage. And 72% of all African-American babies are born outside of marriage. We've got to get back to teaching values. We just can't be our children's best friends. I, I want my children to like me, but number one, I want them to serve God. That means I've got to be some teaching done. But in America, we've gotten away from it. One more and I'm going to quit. I want to end with this one here. The failure of the family to serve her functions is another indication that the family needs to fortify, that the family needs to be strengthened. In every society, there are five institutions. There are five key institutions in every society. The religion, government, education, the economy, and the family. And the family is the heart of every society. It's the most important institution. But when the family is weak, the religious system is going to be weak. Look at America. When the family is weak, your government is going to be weak. Look at America. When your family is weak, then the educational system is going to be in trouble. Look at our educational institution in America. And if there are teachers out there, you're contemplating that this is your last year. Why? Because there's no joy in teaching anymore. The economy is weak when the family is weak. You have more people wanting a handout than out there wanting to work for a living. Because they're not taught values that a man that doesn't work ought not to eat. Son, if you're going to, and my dad at age seven gave me a job, put me to work. And I've had a job every day of my life since I was seven years old. When I was 12, my dad went out and bought a refrigerator and came and gave me the bill. And says, you're going to contribute here. That's what my dad taught me. Any job worth doing, Sammy, is worth doing right. And that's what daddy's supposed to do. But when daddies don't do their job, then you have what we're having in American society. The American family is in trouble because the family is not serving her functions. Let me mention three functions of the family and we'll conclude with a few minutes left. But what can we do to fortify the family? Let me mention three. And I want you to look at these three. There are 10 key functions of family serve for every society. But I want you to look at these three. And if the family serves these three functions, just think how much better America would be. The regulation of sexual behavior is up to the family to teach the boys and girls what it means to be heterosexual. 
That's not the job of the Sunday school teacher. That's not the job of the, the, the government. The legislative sexual behavior, that's the job of parents. But suppose you're growing up in a home and there's no daddy. I want to say something here and it, it hurts me to have to share this. But it's a fact. It's a fact. And it's one of the reasons why I decided to become a gospel preacher back in 1974. When I started looking at the American society, I said, I want to make a difference. What can I do? I said, I'm going to preach. The African-Americans make up, we make up 12% of the American population. 12% of the American population. Over 70% of our homes are headed by a single parent. We make up 12% of the American population, but African-American males are more likely to be homosexual than any racial ethnic group in America. Why? The daddy's not there. You can draw whatever conclusion you want. Why is it African-American males are more likely to be homosexual in proportion than any other racial ethnic group in America? Because we have the largest percentage of homes where there's no daddy. And if we're going to make America better, I've got to make sure that my boys know what it means to be there for your family. That's how we're going to make America better. I hope no one leaves angry at me. I love America, but I love God more. And I love this nation. And I want bold to experience the America that I experienced as a young boy. I want Riley, that granddaughter, to experience the America that I experienced and when I was growing up. This is not the America that I want them to experience. I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to make a difference. Socializing children, what's expected? Pull your pants up. Say yes, ma'am. Say yes, sir. Respect yourself and other people respect you too. That's a norm that the family, that's my job. Boy, if you act up at school, when my daddy told me, you don't have to worry about that principal spanking you. When you get home, you won't be able to walk for two days. And I wasn't able to walk for two days. I still have flashbacks. I didn't get spankings. I got a beat down. I didn't get timeouts. But you know what? There's no man in the world like my daddy. He's my hero. He didn't finish the second grade, but he taught me to respect myself. He taught me to work hard. As I taught him how to write his name, as I taught him how to read, he taught me something greater, how to be a man. He taught me how to work the economic system. Just think if we had more daddies teaching their boys to work. Teaching their children to work. You don't need a hand now. Get out there and get a job. If I lost my job tomorrow at Reed Harmon University, I'm going to survive. Because I'm going to get out and do another job. If I got to push lawnmower, if I got to collect garbage, I'll do it. Because my daddy says no job is you ought not to be willing to do. And that's why four years at Freed Harmon University, when I was a student, four years, I cleaned up the bathrooms at the university. As a, grad, as a student, that was my job to clean up those bathrooms. Nobody else wanted to do it. I said, I'll do it. And I tried to make sure every one of those bathrooms were clean. 
because that's what my daddy taught me. Now, those are some changes. Now, Brother Jones, what can we do? What can we do to fortify our families? Let me very quickly mention these, mention four things, and then we'll close. First, we need some fathers. I make a vow today that from this day and forward that I'm going to be the best daddy I can. Even though my boys, two of them are grown and out of the house, and I have a junior at Sweet Harvard University, I make a vow that I'm going to do all that I can to be the best example for my boys. I want to be a preacher, but not just a preacher that preaches God's word. I want to be a preacher that my boys, they love God because they see a daddy that loves God, that has a passion to serve God, and hopefully not just starting the day, but I've been doing that ever since they were born, that they can see this passion in me to want to please God. Hopefully, that'll translate into them to want to please God more than please self. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I want to be a Joshua. What about you? We need some parents who would give their children a sense of God. They need to know who God is. Joseph, why in Genesis chapter 39, verse 9, why didn't Joseph sleep with Potiphar's wife? Because somebody gave him a sense of God. People have a sense of God. They live different. They act different. Joshua now is down in Egypt. Nobody knows him there. And Potiphar's wife comes to him and says, Joseph, sleep with me. He said, I can't commit this sin against my God. My daddy gave me a sense of God before I was sold by my brothers. My granddaddy gave me a sense of God. There are certain things that people who believe in God, they don't do. I'm thankful Naomi gave me a sense of God down there in Houston, Mississippi. That in my teenage years, there are certain things I didn't do. I wanted to do them. But I couldn't because that sense of God wouldn't let me go there. Number three, we need parents that will give their children a passion, a deep and abiding love for God's word. You need to have that, young people, because the day is going to come that something's going to shake your faith like it's never been shaken before. You're going to experience something in a few years. If you haven't, just keep on living that's going to shake your faith life. It's never been shaken before. And if you don't have a deep and abiding love for God's word, then you're going to be in trouble. And finally, number four, that's not up there. That is, we need parents that will take the time to transform a house into a home. That's how you fortify a family. You take the time not to give your children a house, but give them a home. And that's what we're going to talk about in the Sunday morning lesson. Now that we know that the family needs to be fortified, let's talk about fortifying the family. How can we make a difference, Brother Jones? You share with us the, the facts. Now, what can we do to make a difference? In the sermon this morning, I want to share with you specifically some ways that we can make our families better. May God bless you.